Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good morning, Mario. Mari, 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 Mari. Mario, sure, right. Yeah, we, we... Good morning! That's uh, more like something, it. Something, something, Kai Harada desu. Is that what he says? Kai Harada That's his name. Kai Harada. Oh, there you go. Today I learned but what his name was. I didn't know was. the grammar to say, my name is Kai Harada. Oh. Or whatever it is he says. Good morning! That's all I know. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. This is our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, JoJo's World. Ooh. This is the 80th episode of our podcast to correspond with the 80th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is the sixth episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable. And there's no second part of that because <laughs> there's no second season subtitle name or anything for this. We've broken you down. The name of the episode is Koichi Hirose Echoes or Reverb if you are sabotaging your namings for subtitle conventions. Um, you know what I mean by when I say that. It covers chapters 284 through chapter 288 of the manga. Nice. This episode is brought to you by... Joshua Biggins Wilson. Joshua Biggins Wilson. Boo, 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 boo. Was that meant to be like big sounding? Like, sure. Like yeah. Big, big fee, fi, fo, fum. I'm Joshua Biggins Wilson. Here, have s- some dollars a month. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us on Patreon, you beautiful bastard. You giant man. You. Bigger. You giant among men, your foe's attacks bounce off your stony hide. <laughs> You've been playing a lot of Divinity Original Sin. No, that was a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, never mind then. I won't. How's it going, Nick? Oh, it's going fine. You know, uni is just the worst, but JoJo's is pretty good. JoJo's is pretty good. JoJo's is pretty good. Yeah. Like egg. Egg's pretty okay. Shit. I'm, I'm never going to get the hang of this meme that we've created. <laughs> Just inadvertently. It's sweeping the internet. Get your egg is pretty okay mug from Tapato Co. <laughs> hey, do you want a poster of egg is pretty okay? Why not start up a Kickstarter? Why not make one? <laughs> God knows we won't. <laughs> so, Koichi Hirose Echoes. Yes. Any preliminary thoughts on this episode? This is a good app. This is a good app. This is a good fucking app. This is a good egg. Like, that, oh. that Koichi is a good egg. Oh. I mean, he is a good egg, but the egg That's is... That's a not... plot point in this episode. It really is. <laughs> Him I'm... being a good egg is kind of a turning point <laughs> of this whole confrontation. I'm really glad that, like, this part is going places that are simultaneously more mundane, but also more interesting. Yeah. So, stands aren't just battle-centric. They're yeah, more it's hard thinky. To... I have a hard time imagining um, the cast of Stardust Crusaders going up against the lock. Yeah. They don't really have emotions. So. <laughs> They're all psychopaths. We don't feel guilty about this. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Josuke's first reaction to killing a man just okay? Jotaro. Sorry. Wasn't Jotaro's first reaction to killing you a man? You did it this time. Damn <laughs> You're not perfect. Nick, I want to share with you yeah. some words of wisdom from the author of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Hirohika Araki, mm-hmm. from volume 31 of the manga. Gotcha. I listen to music often, but sometimes I get the melody of a song stuck in my head and it gets troublesome. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language. You're actually not, because this was translated from Japanese. <laughs> the worst case of this was when I had the song Man and a Woman, sorry, Man and Woman in my head. Ooh. And just the portion where they went dubba 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 for three days. <laughs> 
Wait, so he just had dubba dubba dubba. Well, I didn't know the song, so just I stuck yeah. in his head for three days. And this was when I was a student, so I I couldn't concentrate on studying at all. Also, the song "March 365 Steps" by Kayoko Suzenji tends to repeat itself in my mind often, and it even made me have one of those famous Pavlovian reactions. What? How is it? What is he reacting that makes it Pavlovian? Unclear. Okay. All and right. then there's a picture of him with some sort of Egyptian bust. What the? <laughs> I mean, is it Egyptian or is it? It looks Egyptian else? in nature to me. We do know he went to Egypt. That's true. He did go to Egypt. I mean, that is certainly a thing. He's got his eyes closed and his hand on his chin, and it's just probably shouldn't be touching it. They probably don't like that. I mean, who knows? It could be like a replica. It could be Egyptian. It could be anything. There's literally no way of knowing. The context is unclear. Although there are ruins in the background. I get that when I'm listening to, when I've been listening to, um, you know, if I've been marathoning a podcast or listening to an album a fair bit, mm. like, I have a distinct mental image of what I most often did while I was doing that. Mm. So, for example, the, um, the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself is sort of inextricably linked in my mind with gameplay footage of Guild Wars 2. Yep, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like um, whenever I listen to Lawn, who is amazing... Uh, I can only think of Berserk because right. I basically non-stop repeated Weigh Me Down throughout While the you were entirety. Listening. Yeah, throughout the entirety of like oh, watch it, reading. 20 volumes of Berserk. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. Mm. What a strange Pavlovian a good... response. Yeah. I get it now. Anyway, so this episode. This episode. Koichi Hirose echoes. We open with another uh, charming... Charming segment of Mori Ocho Radio. Mori, 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 Mori. Now, after that intro sting, Kai Harada's voice sort of fades into the background as we, we focus on the visuals. But I just took note of one of the things that the subtitle said he was saying. Yeah. He said something about how the king of terror is coming from the sky this July. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> is it some kind of musical act or something? Or like... is it like a stage show or something? They do those yeah. like tokusatsu things. Like a, a fireworks thing. Mm. Oh, or yeah. like a kite show because they can fall on you terrifying. Unclear. Who knows? And we stopped paying attention to this because we've got footage of our boy Koichi Hirose <gasps> riding his new mountain bike that he got for his birthday. <gasps> He's old! Was it his birthday or was it his... No, it was his um school, school, yeah, school, school entry. Because he got into high school so they bought him a bike. Yeah. He's a big boy now. And I, I actually really like the animation on this, um, his, his little ride. Like, it... Really? Because he, he's talking to the camera about how he got this, this bike. And yeah. It's fun and casual. But... There's like, there's like a a good sense of casual speed, like that he's really Mm. enjoying himself riding his bike. Mm. No, yeah, he feels at peace with the world Mm. at a brisk pace. Mm. Well, we can't have that for long, can we? (laughs) This is Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. There's no such thing as true happiness. He rounds a corner Mm. and right ahead of him in the middle of the road is a bag. (gasps) What's in the bag? Unclear. He hits the bag. He tumbles off his bike. It looks... Kind of painful, but not Jojo wound painful. Oh, he sort of like skids along. He's like, yeah. oh no, I hit well, the bag. Kind of like he just had a bike accident. Yeah. And uh, we get a, there's a shot that I really liked of um, his bike wheel slowly spinning out on the side of the road against some like neon rainbow street graffiti. <laughs> and he looks back at the bag and we hear like a pathetic mewing and red liquid slowly fills that bag. <gasps> oh, oh no. And he's like, oh God, did I just kill a cat? Yeah. Yep. And this happens for the first time, but it happens a lot throughout this episode in moments like this, where this sort of like uh, 
these black spider webby sort of cracks mm. start to creep in from the corners of the screen. Webs. It's like a frame and, and tension. Web of lies. Whoa. <gasps> it's a cool that. visual effect. That mm. and the um, sort of film grainy filter they put a... Yeah, that is interesting. Screen. That happens a lot this episode yeah. too. And that's happened previously in the Ninja Mirror Brothers. Yeah. That's something they do a lot in part four that I really like. Mm. It's good. It's very subtle, but it's definitely there. Mm. And it just sort of creates a vibe, you know? It's, it's like a strong aesthetic, mm. but it's in the background. So he's like, oh God, I just killed a cat that was in a bag for some reason. <laughs> and then this guy sitting on the park bench is like, oh man, don't worry about it. Look, it's not your fault the bag was out by accident. So this guy, like, um, he's got like a sort of big flat top afro thing. Yep. Um, like Guile from Street Fighter. But not quite, because um, it goes up more. Yeah, it's it's very... It it's feels, poofy. It feels It's poofier. poofy, but well, like, ge- geometrically maintained. <laughs> It's very flat mm. and yet puffy. And he's wearing um, an interesting, like, pink shirt with a bunch of flags on it. Yeah. So he's got the American flag on his back. He's got the Union Jack, I think, over one of his breasts. Um, and he's very short. Mm. Okay, yeah, I want to talk about this guy's height more as we go through the episode. Okay. Um, but suffice to say, at this time in the manga, mm. he was standard big buff Jojo guy. Huh. And by the end of the episode, he looks more like what he looks like in the anime. Right. But we'll get to that as we go through things. I see. Um, and he's got sort of a loose tie. He doesn't look great. Mm. He looks like a con artist. And he, he he walks in a really interesting way where like he's sort of hunched over with his hands in his pockets. Yeah. And we see him doing that in the OP. Ah, it's a good observation. Of, Much like my observation. He's kind of a loser, I guess, in that sort of posture for that. Yeah. I, uh, I remarked to you that I thought, oh, hang on. We've seen this guy. He's in the OP now. Mm. Maybe all the characters that are in the OP are actually going to be oh, in the show. Oh, that doesn't seem very likely to me. Mm. I also, you also remarked while we were watching the opening this week that like, we still haven't seen the chef. We haven't seen okay, the... Okay, take it down. Mm. And you, you, you said, what's wrong with our priorities or something I mean, like that? That made me laugh. What is wrong with our priorities if this is the guy we see before the chef? <laughs> so he's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. That's not your fault that you killed that cat. The person who left it in the middle of the road, it's their fault. Those that was negligent. That was negligent. Subtly getting him to agree with you is the first step of a good con. <gasps> My God. He's framing the situation such that he has control over the narrative. Ooh. You know, buddy, if he left that cat out there, it's his fault. That, that, I read a really interesting analysis of the early chapters of Diamond Unbreakable, especially this one, uh, on something awful forums by, I think, forum user Xibania, I think it was, X I B A N. YA? Something like that. Um, I have no way of confirming And they had a lot to say about sort of the narrative control that a con artist will use to to get you to buy into their scheme. Mm. Wherein, you know, they they will frame the situation in a way that you first agree with to get you to buy into their way of thinking. And then they will gradually twist it to ways that make you more uncomfortable. But like then there's the social contract of, you know, this is what we've agreed to. So it's the way that Stephen King writes a novel. Is it? He sets up the logic such that you're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's a normal it's a normal thing. And then later it unravels. No, it's a giant spider. And you're like, okay. I don't know if that was necessarily what I was saying, but okay. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like fiction in a nutshell. You know, you accept the... You statement. buy into the, the, yeah. the, the core conceit and you suspend your disbelief. Exactly. You willingly disbelieve the nonsense that you're reading for an escape well, from the shitty You willingly believe reality. it. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. 
So he's like, hey, my name's Tamami Kobayashi. I can tell from your school uniform, which looks nothing like the school uniform your cohorts wear, that we graduated, that I graduated from your high school two years ago. I like your bicycle. Uh, hi, I'm so Koichi. Like, yep, high school sure takes me back. It takes me back nostalgically because I'm doing nothing worthwhile with my life since then. Look at this bench. Have a seat on it. Grabs shoulder with a, with a audible ksh. At this point, I was like, what is going on? Why is this guy who says that, oh, you've only just gotten into high school. Come and have a seat on this bench. I was like, uh, Nothing good comes from that. No, nothing good comes from benches, Liam. And he sort of forcefully manoeuvres Koichi onto sitting onto this bench with him. And at this point, you just Shut up and go, sit down. Uh, now, it's not your fault. It's okay. I have an idea. Just just give me some money for the labour and I'll go I'll go ahead and bury that, bury that cat that you killed. Internally, Koichi is screaming. And... <laughs> And we have a cool cutaway here that I completely forgot about. Where we just cut to the perspective of some nearby ants in a storm drain as the mm. blood, the bl quote unquote blood, drips down the street into it. <laughs> and they're just kind of, you know, walking around. Doing their ant business. It reminds me of that shot in um, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. The Nicolas Cage movie um, directed by Werner Herzog. Sure. Where there's a, a discussion happening. It's in Florida and they're on the roadside. It's like a... a police uh, pulling them over or something like that. Or maybe okay. maybe it's a, a murder scene. I can't remember. And then halfway through the conversation, you just cut to the, the visual perspective of a nearby crocodile. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me get this right. It's either a conversation... It is a conversation. ...about just being in like Florida. It's, it's police business on the side of the road. It's either like a, 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 a pulling someone over or there's a crime scene there. Okay, all right. And then it just cuts to a crocodile, much like in The Simpsons. Where Magnum P.I. of Police Chief Wiggum in that one episode of, like, many stories. Oh, that one bad episode of The Simpsons? No, it wasn't a bad episode. Where, oh, hang on. Are you thinking of the one, like, 23 short stories yeah, in Springfield? Yeah, that one. Or are you thinking of the one where they did, like, three spin-off concepts and one of them was Wiggum, oh. Magnum P.I. in Florida? No, it was with, that. With no. Skinny Boy. Yeah, it was that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're in Florida and it cuts away to, like, a thing where a crocodile is, like, looking at... I don't well, remember that. But it's not that because the crocodile has corks in its mouth. I Never mind. I don't remember this at all. Never mind. It's like Magnum PI, Police Chief Wiggum, and he's like in bed and a crocodile gets shoved through the window <laughs> and then he's like got corked teeth and he's like, no, stop it. Okay, to stop answer your it. question, no, it's not like that okay. at all. <laughs> all right. Glad we established this. Anyway, you should all watch Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. It's bonkers. There's a bit where they shoot a drug dealer and Nicolas Cage is all coked out. Um... <laughs> And he's like, shoot him again. His soul's still dancing. Uh, and we cut to his perspective as he sees the drug dealer they just shot doing like sick break dancing moves in the room. What? Okay, I'm watching this now. What's it called again? Bad Lieutenant, colon, port of call, uh, N- New Orleans. Okay. Here's a copy of the DVD. Wait, you have a copy of the DVD? Oh, this could be humiliating for you. It's not on my shelf. Oh, no. But I do own it. It's not down here somewhere, is it? I don't know. Anyway. Ooh. Feels like it should be on my shelf. <laughs> it's one of those, like, classic films. Oh, I think I lent it to someone, actually. Uh... Cool. We're good. So, anyway, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JJBA. Baracus. The favourite member of the A-Team. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. So, yeah, he's all... Oh, like... yeah, and he's like menacingly like you killed the cat oh yeah he's like yeah cut to the, the sewers and the ant the ants in the sewers and he's like yeah you killed my cat give me money 
Wait, it was your cat? That's right, I put it there. But that doesn't matter anymore because you killed it. Give me money, what are you going to do? And close up on his face, everything goes black and white in a really menacing way. Cut to the OP. We've already talked about that. We have, haven't we? After the OP, we segue back to the action with a cool shot of uh, a fly buzzing nearby the bag. Buzz, buzz. As blood continues to seep. I wonder if all of these insects interacting with it is meant to... Just hint? Well, foreshadow that it's fake, because it is fake, as we learn. Mm. And maybe it's a sort of sugary solution or something. Oh, probably. It's probably like corn syrup or something, yeah. I wonder if that's a deliberate piece of foreshadowing, which is also subtle, because I... I, Well, a fly certainly would interact with a dead dead cat. Mm, mmm. Ants? Yeah. Yeah. Less so the blood, but if they could get out the body. Yeah. I suppose they're just sort of like moving past it. Mm. I don't know if that's a hint, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is fly. And he's all like, huh, I bet you're feeling pretty guilty, huh? You you can only free yourselves from the shackles of your guilt uh, by, by giving me money. And Koichi's all like, better what? pay up. And Koichi, yeah. Koichi's like, what? Oh, and he, he points and, and prods him in the chest. And then a dent forms on that point. And out of that dent forms a huge like padlock. It's half sticking out of his chest. And Koichi's all like, what is this padlock sticking and out of my chest? The subtitle was inform us that written on, on, um, in Japanese characters on the front of that lock is the, the, the word money. Because Ooh. he's like, give me money and your guilt will go away. Yeah. How foreshadowing of his power. Or how appropriate, <laughs> given what he's just said. Mm. So basically, his stand is... The lock. The lock. The lock. The... <laughs> No one that speaks German could possibly be evil. <laughs> so Koichi is quite understandably like, what's this lock thing sticking out of my chest? And this throws uh, Tamami Kobayashi. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. Tamami Kobayashi. Yeah. Is there? What does Tamami mean? Well, he talks about this later in the episode, but uh, Tama, he says, means ballsy. And I have heard Tama used in other Japanese things to refer to testicles. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. apparently the joke with the phrase, the, the, the um... The anime Gintama yeah. is that it's just a hair's breadth from being Kintama, which means something like golden testicles. <laughs> <laughs> from now on, I shall only refer to my friends as Kintama. Is that racist? I don't know. Hmm. hmm. I have to fact check that one. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And yeah. So that's in his name. Yep. So there's this lock. There's this lock. And it's just poking out of Koichi's yeah. like, chest. This will make it even easier. I don't even need to just like talk around. I can just tell you right now. Give me money and I'll take that lock off. And Koichi's all like, but, but I, I, you, yeah. but what? So this thing isn't just unsightly to people who can see it. It's also really heavy and that's the issue. Mm. And so people who can't see it think that the weight of the guilt is crushing them. Mm. But in fact, they've just got this huge metal lock sticking out of their chest. Like this is solid metal as mm. well. This isn't like your daddy's padlock. This ain't your daddy's padlock. This ain't medieval Europe circa 1569. Is that medieval? Don't think so. I think that's Renaissance. This ain't your daddy's Renaissance circa 1568. Wait, hang on. What was the Renaissance? Fact check. Here we go. Learning together about history and friends. Renaissance was when it ends. <laughs> you Koichi. had the song. You had the song Koichi, right in your fingers. do you know when the Renaissance is? Is that no, the 15th or se- 16th or 17th century? I'm pretty sure. Ah, covering the span between the 14th and 17th centuries. Oh, we go. did it. This ain't your daddy's This was medieval. history chat. Oh god, can we do a podcast all about history? We would not be good at it. Yeah, I know, but it would be a podcast. <laughs> it sure would be a podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to Bad History Done Good. Shit, I'd be down for that. We could just literally make up fake history. 
That's that's not what history is. No, but we make it sound almost believable. I'm not doing this. The year was 1569, the Renaissance, uh, just on the cusp of medieval era. No. World War One was in its second year. <laughs> and Archduke Franz Ferdinand was alive and well. We cut to Poland, freshly annexed. Polnareff was like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> anyway, back to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. So this guy's all like, give me money, give me money, and I'll get rid of the lock. Oh, cut to up one of those um like embankments you always see in anime. A very small hill. Yeah, with, yeah. with those steps, yeah. kind of like the one that jo- Jotaro fell down when Kakuin cut his leg with his, that stand power he never used again. Ooh, <laughs> Okiyasu and Josuke are there, and they can see Koichi, and they're like, "Huh, is that Koichi off in the distance?" Yeah, that's that's definitely him. Looks like he's talking to some shady-looking guy. That Koichi, he's always hanging out with rough-looking characters. Yeah. Saying the two rough-looking characters <laughs> who he always hangs out with. I think my favourite thing is that they then go, Yeah, it looks like he's having fun, though. Let's keep going. I really like that little cutaway <laughs> joke. That's maybe one of my favourite parts of the episode. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Cut back to Koichi. <laughs> who has got a lock sticking out of him and is... Currently burdened by guilt. Yeah. And he's all like, hey, this guy, Keicho, shot me with an arrow and I learned how to do this. And I figured I could use that to make money so I wouldn't have to get a real job. You're one of those con artist guys. That I've heard so much about on I'm... Morio Cho Radio. <laughs> the terror from the sky was you. Wow. The sky was a metaphor. So Koichi's all like, but I don't have any money. And he looks away. And uh, Tamami is all like, you looked away. That means you're lying. Let me see your wallet. So the lock gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because he felt guilty about lying. Bigger and, then, and heavier. And then he gives him his wallet, and inside the wallet is seven thousand yen. <gasps> That's oh, and that Tamami also exposits that the lock will never go away, even if he's sleeping or really far away. Ooh, that's new. That's an, that's the advantage of his stand, I guess. Low power, but big distance. He refers to it as automatic. Automatic stands are something we've seen a little bit of, I think, by this point. Um, okay. Though I can't remember any any previous examples. But that we'll see more of them going into the future. Mm. What about, what's her name? Uh, Mariah with a magnet stand. Yeah, to a certain extent, once that activates, yeah. it stays on you. Yeah, automatic stands. <laughs> Though I think something that we will see more with automatic stands going forward mm. is that uh, they gen- generally can function at a greater distance. Okay. But they can only do simple tasks like be heavy. <laughs> be a lock that mm. sticks out of your chest. To be fair, that's a pretty good function. So he's got this 7,000 yen. What's that, like $70? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Which he was going to use to buy sneakers for gym class. <gasps> what? But and how is he going to get around now? He has a good shot of Tamami. He's holding the money in his hand uh, like one would hold, would splay out a hand of playing cards. <laughs> and he's like, sneakers for gym class? Zoom in, crunch that those dollar bills Much in deeper hand. voice. Go barefoot. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Anyway, then Josuke and Okiyasu rock up and like, well, 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 what's going on here, mate? How are you little lovebirds getting along? Lovebirds? What's wrong with you? Well, I mean, you know, they're having a good time in the park. Oh, by this point, Koichi has also fallen over because the lock is so heavy. <laughs> and they're like, you're clearly threatening a school kid for money. We can't approve of this. We're good people. We have punched a lot of people, but we are good people. A grown man should get a job and earn money, says Jose. Josuke is really chill throughout this whole exchange, and I'm really into that. Mm. Okiyasu gets kind of loses his temper, but Josuke is like, oh, let's, let's just be chill. Keep you cool. He is a Joestar. He learns... He's the chillest Joestar. 
Oh no, that is definitely Jotaro. But he's chill in kind of an aggressive way, you know? Josuke, Josuke is just like, yeah man, whatever. Yeah, but we've had like two whole episodes about the fact that... He's not chill, he's not... He's so chill he's, even if he he's doesn't not chill, know. he's just super hard, you know? Yeah, but he's so chill even if he doesn't know if he's going to win or lose. See, chill implies relaxed to me. Jo- I wouldn't call oh, Jotaro okay. relaxed. He's, he's just constantly a maximum tension. <laughs> <laughs> he's always thinking mm. about the colour transparent. And they're saying, like, we saw some smelly trash using a petty stand to take advantage of someone. We can't have that. And he's all like, what? You can see it too. How many people can see it? And Josuke says, that's what I want to know. Nice. Now, he, nice callback. He says in the translation, would you kindly take it off? And I'm assuming that means he's asking in, like, the polite dialect or mm. whatever. Mm. Uh, and Okuyasu tries to pry it off his chest. Doesn't work. I wonder if he could have handed it away. Kind of dangerous, though. Yeah... Yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> he loses his he loses his temper. Kobayashi does, and he's like, "Don't you underestimate me? I'm not playing games. Sinners pay for their sins. That's the social contract by which we all abide. Agree to this, and I'll get my hooks in you too." So Okuyasu is all like, "Buddy." Well, yeah, he starts to work them, trying to t- like get them to give him money, and then that he'll take the lock off. And Koichi's like, "But I just gave you money. That was the fee for lying to me." So Okuyasu's all like, fuck this. Yeah. The cat costs more like 500,000 yen. <gasps> what is that, like $5,000? Yeah, probably. <laughs> we don't know yen. Yeah. I imagine it's probably like 7000 oh, ish you know, yeah. Some amount of money that's pretty big. Although <laughs> this is the 90s, so money would, you know, have been adjusted for inflation at this point. And of course, the boom economy of the 80s would have bust by now. Oh my, yes. <laughs> Okuyasu punches him, as you were alluding to. Yes. And he's all like, we are not paying $5,000 for a goddamn cat, son. Punches him in the face, loses his temper, as he's wont to do, because mm-hmm. as he keeps informing us, he's not a smart man. <laughs> but you know what? He has a good heart. And, and what happens after the punch? So this guy stumbles back. Really comically. Like, he stumbles back a good 10 metres or so. There's a whole bunch of arrows graffitied onto the ground mm. in, like, neon colour. Falls right into the centre of them, onto the curb. And knocks out his two front teeth. I I guess I know what he wants for Christmas. (laughs) That is a classic song Health insurance. Mm, Never mind. Because he's like, Why did you hit me? You're so cruel. (laughs) My precious teeth. How will I eat candied apples now? Oh, no. I mean, why, why did you... Okiyasu's like, why did you stumble into... Yeah, like, I hit you, but that seemed like a bit much for how hard I hit you. It's like, don't you understand? When you hit me, I had to stumble back. I have no health insurance. Koichi beseeches Okuyasu to not feel guilty at all, but it's in vain because a big lock also appears on Okuyasu's chest. Oh no, he's not smart at all. No. Despite his tough, delinquent exterior, he too is capable of feeling guilt for hurting (laughs) someone. So now he has a giant lock sticking out of him. Yeah, and he he goes to hit him again, but... Tamami informs us that if someone with a lock tries to hurt him, then the damage goes back to them. Which is not unlike, um, Dan of Steel's stand, mm. I guess. Yeah, which I like a lot. We always like Dan of Steel. I mostly just like saying his name, really. I mean, Dan of Steel is a great Dan of Steel. <laughs> I feel like we're going to fast run out of reasons to keep bringing him up. Uh, no, we won't, if we just keep trying. <laughs> anyway, then Josuke fixes everything. As his power allows him to do. Ah. He kind of walks over to the bag. Yeah, while this is all happening, he's just been checking out. I suppose he was going to go heal that cat. True, true. 
I don't know if he can really bring back life, though, as well, was established in I mean, the first or second I mean, Tamami's insisting the cat died, but, yeah. you know, no one's opened that bag. Yeah. It did have the long limp of death, though. Mm. Either way, he's investigating it to heal a little or just to see what's going on. Mm. And uh, he opens up the bag and he's all like, hey, uh, is this your cat? And it's a big green stuffed cat toy. And uh, what's his name? Tama- Tamami. Tamami is like, uh... You see, the thing about that, it's dripping in, like, quote-unquote blood, too. He's like, uh, uh, well, I mean, it could be my cat. I don't know for sure. Tamami's still on the floor from when he hit, he fell over. Josuke just walks in front of him, in front of the camera for a moment. Uh, we hear the crazy diamond sound, and he says, oh, I picked up your tooth, and moves away, and Tamami's teeth are back. And he's like, my teeth are back! And he sort of gnashes them, as you do when your teeth are returned and you want to try them out. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I mean, I've never been in that situation, but you know what? If I had my teeth returned in that way, I think I would Wario, like, a lot. You would Wario? Yeah, you know how Wario does the biting thing? He's like, nah, 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 nah. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna win. I'm Tamami Kobayashi. <laughs> ah! Do you reckon he's Waluigi? No. Tamami? No. I reckon he's like a Wario type. He's short. He's greedy. Big teeth. Exploitative. Kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Might have a bike, hasn't been established. Did, you, did I tell you about that Twitter f- thread? That I saw where someone dreamt about a Waluigi game and it sounds hella tight. No. Someone dreamt that there was a... Nintendo were announcing a game in which Waluigi inherits a ski resort and has to manage it. And the game is equal parts snowboarding game, mm-hmm. uh, resort management game, mm-hmm. and murder mystery. What? Why? So you play as Waluigi managing this ski resort and you split your time between hitting those slopes and carving up that sweet powder. <laughs> Managing your resort, making it grow, getting new... Like, new, better ski resort More people, things. I suppose. Yeah. And then also someone's murdered. What the, okay, sure. I'd I mean, be so into that. <laughs> That'd be... That and the game I've talked about before where you kill monsters and cook them would be the, oh, the two so games good. I would play forever. If Oh, especially if there was some sort of sailing element in either of them. <laughs> well, it is a ski resort. You know how well known they are for sailing. Oh, yeah, but it's on a tropical island. <laughs> A tropical island with a ski resort and a nearby volcano. Whoa. Yeah. Where do you think the murder happened? Twist. Was- Bowser's castle. <laughs> do you reckon if Bowser comes down and he's just like on a ski trip with Mario and Peach and Daisy? So Bowser is caught red-handed standing over the body of, I guess, the character they would have made up to be the murder victim. Because they're not going to, you know, kill off Luigi or something. That is true. Oh no, it'll be um one of the Bones guys. A dry Bones? Oh, because yeah. they're already dead. So that way it's family exactly. friendly. Exactly. It's like, oh no, he's dead. He's like, I'm fine again though. Don't worry. Or then, or maybe... He's in a critical condition. Maybe there's a body that you don't ever see, but like a new Boo shows up. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Let's make Nintendo at us. Let's make this game. Nintendo, listen. We're a... We'll also young... give some royalties to the guy who dreamt it too. <laughs> We're like a young up and coming podcast, but you know what else we are? Game designers. Yeah. Not developers. I don't know how to code. I only know that Unity and Unreal are really hard to use if you don't know how to use them, which I don't. But I do know that you can use them to We're make really games. good, like, ideas, guys. Oh, God. We're like games directors. We can manage Yeah, people. we're like Peter Molyneux and that other guy. Oh, Hideo Kojima? No, he knows how to make games. Oh. Um, what's that guy? The Ultima Online guy? Oh. Um... Richard Garriott? Maybe? Is he the guy who they t- they 
<laughs> he was working with some scummy company like NCSoft or something mm-hmm. um, for Tabula Rasa or something. And then while he was in space, they sold his shares in the company and shut his game down. Wow, that's... His shares, which they, which they didn't own. Oh, that's a dick move. While he was literally in space and couldn't stop them. Wow, okay. What the fuck? That's a bit rough. We're hitting all the, um, just the weird anecdotes I know in this episode. Here we go. How many more weird anecdotes can we pull out? What happens next in the episode? Yeah, so Josuke fixes everything. The locks come off. They feel no guilt. He's been defeated. So, I guess. And he's like, put put the wallet down and give Koichi his money back. And he puts the wallet down and you can just see the little corners of the bill sticking out. Ah. That's how you know he's good for it. Mm. Not quite, because he runs off and they open up the wallet and there's only the top bits of the bills. That is pretty smart. That well, was a pretty smart move. He's got those, he's got those magician hands. Question. Mm? They say, oh, he's taking the big parts of the bills that the bank will accept. Is that how money works? <laughs> yeah, I think if you have greater than 50% of a bill, it's legal tender. Really? That's what I've heard. Maybe you wouldn't get a short shop to uh, accept it, but I'm pretty sure a bank would exchange it. Right. So you could go and be like, hey, it tore up. Yeah. But I've got the bill. Can I just... I've got either both halves or the majority of it. What happens if it gets cut up into thirds? Well, then whoever has the two thirds of that bill has the mm-hmm. has the money. And, and what would happen if, say, a $10 million bill was cut into thirds? Into thirds. But could it I was be- I was conceptualizing a story the other day. About like, yep. I hadn't figured out the fine details, but like, let's say there were two brothers or whatever, and they were warring over an inheritance. Two brothers. They're just two regular. We're not doing this. Okay. All right. Okay. And uh, this is this is another weird anecdote. Here we go. Um, and the idea is they both had like, or maybe it was shares of a company or something, mm-hmm. and they both had locked down like fifty percent of the value of this thing, and whoever had the, the majority got you know control or all the money or whatever. Okay. And so the one thing that neither of them were able to successfully lock down was just like a really inconsequential item, like a D- declaration of independence. Oh, I was thinking because I was I came up with when I was watching a series of unfortunate events, and there's something about a sugar bowl in that that I don't really understand. So I was thinking like a sugar bowl, okay. like so this sugar bowl is. You know, the one half of the estate they haven't been able to lock down. So it becomes like the huge MacGuffin, even though it itself is quite valueless. Yeah. But it would just it would just tip them over into 51% if they had it. <laughs> wow. That is a hell of a MacGuffin, though. It's like, we need this sugar bowl. And I don't even know if that's why it's a thing in a series of unfortunate events. I've only seen it foreshadowed so far. But yeah. there's something about a sugar bowl. Okay. All right. Interesting. But anyway, I think that would be a fun story. Like, an inconsequential item that becomes consequential because it's... You know, it gives you the majority. Wasn't... There was a show about, like, the whole time you needed this one item to get what you needed. Or maybe it was Citizen Kane. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) Yes, the whole thing about Citizen Kane is if he finds this sled, he'll get control of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe control of himself. Whoa. Wow. The greatest film ever made that I still haven't seen. Charles Foster Kane would have come. That's what Marlon Brando said to Rupert Murdoch or something when he snubbed him. Stand up while applauding. Rupert Murdoch is the timeline. It doesn't matter. Let's keep Rupert moving. Rupert Murdoch? He's like a hundred years old. Is he really the... Someone like that. Look, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was Kane. Citizen. It's later. It's like 3pm according to the watch we see, but it looks like sunset. Koichi gets home from school. and He's he... pretty bummed. We are introduced to the best character in this or any TV series. <laughs> Oh no. Koichi's dog, Police. Do you want to describe his dog? It's one of those big floppy dogs. Um, it's like big and fat and old, um, but it's got those long ears. It's like, what are, what are those dogs? Fact yeah. check. 
Fact check. I'm not going to Google oh, what kind of dog police is. I'm going to. Okay. And the thing about police is, is it basically never moves or does anything. <laughs> because that's the kind of dog it is. It's he, a good He comes boy. home and he just nudges it with his foot to be like, I'm home. Yep, yep. Doesn't even look up. It's asleep. Floppy ear dog. Yeah, that first one. That's the one. I think it might be a bloodhound. I thought it might be a basset hound. A basset hound. Well, basset hound I mean, looks... That's a bad picture of one because it looks like a puppy, but... Yeah, yeah, okay, it might be a basset hound, yeah. Which were first bred in France. Some kind of hound, at least. They have a great presence with their long ears. And that makes their appearance special. His appearance is special, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't do anything, he just sits there. But his appearance is special. (laughs) I guess. You know it's a good episode when police is in it. (laughs) I mean, so far, yeah. (laughs) I can't deny this, it's been a good episode. And he comes home. He walks through the door. And... (gasps) He hears the voice. The voice of Tamami Kobayashi. <gasps> what? And he walks into the living room. And there he is. <laughs> giving Koichi's mom a back rub. So this is some Shakespeare level shit right Makes here. direct eye contact with Koichi. you be like, yeah, that's right. That's right. You snubbed me, so I'm going to fuck your mom. I'm going to lock down your mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he's here to do some con shit. And we cut to the ad break. And one of the title card things happens where it's like, the lock. Um, so his stand is literally a lock. Yeah, let's talk about the lock. It, it's kind of hard to really go much further because it's just a giant lock. You say like, that, and yet I have all these things to say about it. Oh, Jesus. Okay, here we go. The Jojo Valet commentary for the lock is <clears throat> as follows. A suspense story where you're trapped by a psychological attack in stand form. This extortion ability puts a lock on your heart. I gradually shrunk the host down so it'd be easier to have him interact with Koichi. Alright, I guess we'll get into that now then too. Um, the fun thing about um, t- uh, Tamami in the manga, and this extends to the person we'll see next week too, mm-hmm. is they start their stand battles, like all tall and buff Jojo guys. Yeah. And then as um, the tables are turned on them, and you see how at the end of the episode Tamami like snivels and grovels before Koichi, yeah. he physically shrinks to... Um, it's a physical manifestation of sort of the cowardice, the loss and... of stature he has, yeah. and oh, that's it's really funny. cool. And then he stays just short and shit for the rest of the part. <laughs> that is fantastic. And you see that next week too, not in the anime, of course, but mm. with next week's antagonist in the manga. Sick. I like that. I really like that sort of thing. Yeah, no, where it goes from yeah, that's right, yeah. I'm an imposing villain to. Please As the momentum of the battle turns and oh. they, they lose their confidence, they lose their physical stature. That's fun. That is fun. Mm. And of course, I suppose with Koichi being so small himself, that helps put them on a literal literal level playing field. Mm. I like it. Because I'll show you a picture of him as he's introduced, because he's just fucking huge. Really? Yeah. Here he is menacing poor Koichi. Oh my god, he really is, isn't he? Yeah, he's like... He's actually, an, he's like a normal Jojo character. By which I mean huge. Enormous on multiple And then levels. here he is at the end of the manga. There you go. So he goes from normal size Jojo character to Koichi size. I would even hesitate that he might be, uh, hazard that he might be larger than your standard Jojo character at the start. <laughs> I don't know. Is he fully Sylvester Stallone? Le- well, almost, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. The Lock is apparently a reference to The Rock, a song by The Who that was on uh, Quadrophenia. <laughs> the only Who album to be entirely composed by Pete Townsend. Oh, cool. I don't want to sound racist, but the fact that The Lock... I mean, the LR transposition is a stereotypical... It really is. ...Japanese But, thing. like, we've already had Angelo, now we have The Lock. It's like, how many more times are we going to just... I don't think it's a big deal. Out? Okay, alright. So, yeah. The, the Lock... lock. 
The Rock. Sidebar, while we're talking about Jojo Valley commentaries and stuff, I just want to acknowledge that uh, I'm going to get to the one for Echoes in future, but I want to leave that um, until the appropriate point in the story, given what's in the content. Because I think it would give too much away at this point if, if I read it as Echoes is introduced. Okay, alright, fine. I'll accept it. So he's in the house. He's given Mum a back rub. He's right there being like, oh, hey, Koichi. He's doing that thing where he's really getting the elbow in there. Ugh. Ugh. You can just tell he's like... I don't even know why he's giving her a shoulder rub. Because he's a nice gentleman. That's know? right. He's he's really like buttering them up. Yeah, exactly. He's uh giving them the chance to accept the narrative that he's creating, that he's a masseuse, that he's an international good man. That's a thing. So he's in there and he's being really polite in a way that we haven't seen him be at all yet. Mm. He's kind of sitting there going, I'm so sorry to intrude on you. But, yes, uh, yeah. He's sipping his tea that I'm sure they, they, they politely brought him without him asking for it. Mm-hmm. And, and mum is all like, oh, Ko-chan. So, okay, I want to acknowledge Ko-chan. Ko-chan. So throughout this episode, Koichi's mum calls him Ko-chan. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally I'm in favour of Japanese honorifics and stuff not being included in the translation because it just seems like a bit much yeah like in the subtitles yeah yeah and you can get the the gist of it included without yeah you can just sit there going oh yeah it's kochan but my problem with it here is because they the way they've done it they've just omitted the ko and they haven't like substituted sorry omitted the chan and haven't um just put in koichi instead or or a different sort of nicknamey sort of thing so in the subtitles she's just calling him ko which just (laughs) isn't enough of a it doesn't have enough to it to be a like a nickname to me it's not a name it's just a syllable yeah <laughs> she's like oh ko he brought home the money that you dropped oh dear i don't so... i don't care for that she i don't know I, the, and also the, it's compounded by the fact that you can't really do, it doesn't sound good if you ha- ha- call him like koi or something like uh, that no, no no stop so it's a hard, it's a hard name to do that to fix that with how about code Chi. Kocho. Kocho, there you go. It's like Moriocho, but, but Ko. Anyway, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the way they did it, but I don't know a better way to do it myself. <laughs> so he's there, given a back rub, sits on down. He's all like, here's the money that I found. Yeah, but it's hard for me to say this because... You know, I'm such a good guy. Yeah, I'm so nice and I'm so polite and I don't want to intrude. But uh, when we hit each other, when you, when you hit me on your bike, our wallets got swapped and I had... I had a uh, 500,000 yen in mine. <gasps> I, I would like that back, please. But that's how much he wanted before. Oh, the cunning ruse. I see through your scheme now. I see through the lies of the Jedi. <laughs> you were the Ko one. And mum is all like, from my point of view, Koichi is evil. <laughs> you were the Ko-chan one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day. I don't like that, but I appreciate how it almost <laughs> lines up in terms of kiss and chiss. I know. <laughs> So he's, Koichi is there going, and mum is, oh, sorry, <laughs> Koichi is like, he's, credit, credit where it's due, Koichi immediately points out, this guy's a con artist, but yeah. no one takes, no one seems to listen to him. No. And his mum's like, hang on a minute, 500,000? That's a lot of money. How do we know it's your wallet? Well, I can prove it, you see. Last night I went to Johnny's. You know Johnny's, that restaurant we all know and love. Ah, uh, of course, Johnny's, the restaurant we all know <laughs> and love. And I had the hamburger combo mm-hmm. and an order of onion gratin soup. Ah, interesting. And I believe it came to uh, 18,833 yen. And that should still be in my wallet, the receipt for that, not the food. Hmm, okay. Open up wallet, pull out receipt from Johnny's. I'm not really sure how he did this. Well, I reckon maybe he 
got a peek inside the wallet and noticed there was a receipt from Johnny's, maybe? Could be. Could be that at some point he sort of Put slight of handed it in. Yeah. Or maybe he did swap wallets with Koichi and he knew that was in there. Damn. That's intense. <laughs> Ooh. Speaking so of... So yes, Koichi's like, it's a trick. He clearly did this earlier than went out to buy a similar wallet of his own. Did Koichi have to do gym barefoot? <gasps> We may never know. We didn't know if he had Jim today. He was just going to buy his shoes today. Ah, gotcha. All right. So yeah, uh, pulls out this receipt. He's all like, oh no, it's the wrong wallet. (gasps) No. And uh, Tamami's still buttering up, mum. He's like, okay, he's clearly going through a phrase. And I hate to say it, but your son, he's a bad little boy. You're the bad little boy, you bad little boy. And mum gets super guilty in that black... Uh, grainy filter comes back and lock comes out of her chest and Koichi he pu- he puts up his dukes he goes to punch uh, goes to punch Tamami right in the face but it doesn't work no it, he's pretty weak Tamami is still too big and tough right now <laughs> he hasn't digi devolved which would happen to them normally they would level out at rookie level but if they if they got hurt a lot or used up too much of their energy sometimes they would they would back to being a baby mm. or whatever was it between baby and rookie Sometimes, if they just stayed in their form too long, they would actually, like, instead of evolving, go back to the start of the cycle. And some of them, like Leomon or other NPC Digimon, just got to hang around as champions. And that doesn't seem fair. No, fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) Gatomon also was a champion the whole time, and she was protagonist. Was she? Digimon. Digital monsters. Digimon. Digital monsters. Digimon are the champions. And, um... Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. Anyway, uh, Tamami starts expositing here in a way that I'm surprised doesn't clue Mum in that this is a this is all a grift. Because <laughs> he starts saying, "The weight of her guilt won't allow her to be free. I'm gonna take everything you've got. I'll take your house. I'll take the land, title, and seal. Ha ha ha! This is a great house. You'll never get away with this, Count Chocula. I don't know where I was going with no, that. No, that's joke, weird. But- yeah, no. I mean, I'm into it. Explain yourself. Well, I was just thinking, Count Chocula was never really the greatest of uh, heroes. Nick, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, he was more of a villain. He's a serial mascot. Yeah, so he was never a great hero. I'm not. I'm not condoning this. I'm putting okay. putting a stop to this. Fine. R- this rando humor. <laughs> Lol. Hashtag so random. Yeah. I'm supposed to yes and, but I got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> Hey man, if you can't have cereal box humour, what can you have in this world? The needle has just flicked from on fleek to on blast. I don't even get this. Then Koichi's sister, also unnamed, wanders in. And she's got a big lock on her chest too. Oh no, why does she have a lock on her chest? (laughs) Again, expositing right in earshot. (laughs) When she brought me tea, I made her spill some on my hand. And acted like it really burned. She was... So bereft by guilt. He says she was so cute and sexy. She's a third year at a girls' school, ripe for the picking. Mm. Not cool to mommy. Mm, weird. I mean, we know you're like a deadbeat loser, but this seems like kind of escalation. This is a step too far, kind of. And then things get super duper cool. Koichi becomes very angry. Koichi. <laughs> Koichi Digivolved. <laughs> Is Koichi the Digimon of this part? He starts... No, because Digimon go back, as you know. He's more uh, like Pokemon of this part. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Koichi starts grow- glowing with the green aura we saw when he summoned Egg. Mm-hmm. Egg shows up. <gasps> Egg! He gets super worked up and his hair, through sheer force of self-confidence, evolves from that 
kind of underwhelming comb style it went to like proper anime spikes. So you said new hair and I was like, okay, yeah, he's just gone Super Saiyan. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't realise this was actually an evolution. Still great hair. It's evolution in his character design. His character. Yeah. And his character. Yeah. Mm. And he like, his whole bearing changes. He becomes like Jojo protagonist confident. Uh, Egg hatches to reflect this. (gasps) Egg hatches! And it looks like it looks like a combination of uh, Imperfect Cell, the first form of Cell we meet in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And also the variant of Cell that we see where it's like the, the cocooned husk of it, the baby form of Cell, mm-hmm. the sort of quadrupedal yep. thing. Yep. And and I think I may have mentioned this previously, but uh, a lot of design elements of Koichi are references to Dragon Ball, particularly Gohan. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the design elements of Echoes... Uh, reference to Cell. Yeah. A little nod. Yeah. Game recognised game, as it were. The 90s. Yeah. To Echo's hatches, Koichi just becomes super confident and he's like, get out of here, mum and sister. I'm going to deal with here this for a minute. And they, he ushers them out of the room and slams the door. He's all like, you can't come into my house and yeah. expect me to give up my house. You come into my house. You're under my roof. You're playing by my rules now, Sonny Jim. So the stand... Like, just fucking lazily plods towards him. And it looks kind of freaky, so he's freaking out. He's like, uh... Because, keep in mind, the only stand he's seen this far... It's been his own. His weird lock one. He's probably yeah. never seen a freestanding sedan before. That's true. And he's like, uh, look, buddy, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. But keep there's nothing you can do to stop away me. from me. And he, he tries to keep, keep his con going. He's like, putting them out of the room doesn't change the fact that they're my hostages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, putting you out of life won't stop... That one kind of got away from yeah, me. Yeah, I'm Koichi. Yeah, fuck you. I'm still level two, but wait till I'm at level three. And Echoes wraps him up in its tail and all that. Mm. And it's just a little bit weird and slimy, but yeah. it's cool. He's, you know, he's doing a protagonist monologue. He's all like, I won't let you harm my family. Uh, take the locks off, blah, 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 blah. And he's all like, but if, you, if your mum sees you beating me up, then, then the girl will grow. Ah, take the locks off. And he's all like, don't underestimate me. I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and Echoes punches him in the face and there's a loud smacking sound. Oh, fuck, that really hurt my throat. That's some good foley. Thank you. Rapa! Hormph! And, like, he's screaming. He's doing an exaggerated hurt thing. He's like... Ah! And it's like, wait. No. Oh. But it didn't actually hurt at all. Nothing actually happened. Huh? Mm. And, and we can see that there's a big onomatopoeia that says smash on his face. But he's unaware of this. That's it's, like, odd. sort of tattooed onto him almost. Hmm. That's, that's a strange thing to be tattooed onto someone's face. And he's all like, your stand sounds impressive, but it's super weak. It has no speed or power. And he does the whole monologue about reflections of mental strength and mm. things like that. Mm. You have no mental strength because you're a little piece of shit, Koichi. The normal thing, this part. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, what's this onomatopoeia on my arm that says slap or whatever? Crack. No, it says crack on his face and smack on his arm. And he's like, huh. Weird ringing in my ears, like from when I got hit. And and this is the power of Echoes. What do you think about this power? The, the power to create manga on a matapia and have the... I get it. I get what it is. I'm just making it explicit for the listener. No, I'm not saying about you explaining it. I'm saying Echoes. Oh. I get it. That's what it does. <laughs> and it creates a... It creates a the symbols of a sound effect. Uh-huh. And then the sound effects happen. I understand. I got the reference of Echoes. Thanks, Araki. Very subtle. Pretty fucking good, actually. I think 
I think it's really imaginative, particularly given the way sound effects communicated in the manga form of this yeah. would be entirely through the onomatopoeia. So I think at first... You're just there going, at, oh yeah. At first when you're doing this in the anime, less so because Jojo does the visual sound effect thing sometimes, mm-hmm. but in the anime you immediately see the sound effects and are like, okay, something's going on here. Yeah. But I think there's... In the, in, the, uh, in the manga when it's first used... You don't really realise. Because that's how the sound is communicated yeah. in the first place. No, I do like it a yeah. lot. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's very different. Mm. You know, you, so far we've had things like, I can control electricity, I shoot an arrow, I have mini men that shoot you. But this one's like, oh yeah, I don't actually harm Shooting you. the arrow isn't a stand thing. Yeah, but it gives stands. Yeah. Um, but this one is just like, yeah, so I don't actually hit you. I just make a noise kind of thing, mm. which is very cool. So he's being basically tortured by these sounds ringing in his ear constantly. Mm. Super loud, I'd imagine. Uh, the smacking sound. Ah. And it's like, it's, I suppose that sound does sort of trigger a fight or flight oh, instinct. It, does. it absolutely does. Like if you have like nails on a chalkboard. Mm. And it's just rocketing in him constantly. And he's, he's basically writhing around. Koichi is still around with that green glow and he, he puts a, a big old boom on the guy's back. And that gets added to the, the milieu, the soundscape that he's suffering oh, in. Oh, no. Soundscape or hellscape? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, good one. Mm, yeah, 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 I'm Ricky, Ricky Gervais. Soundscape, more like hellscape. Does that offend you? You just sound like John Lennon. That's what Ricky Gervais sounds like. We all know that. What? No. Ricky Gervais is more of a cockney guy. He's, he's a cheery lad. I'm Ricky Gervais. So he's like, take off the locks, or even I don't know what will happen to your body. And at this point, Koichi sort of perceiving what his stance power is for the first time. He makes a reference to um, a poem he learned in school. Oh. I didn't get down the um, the poet's name, but it looked like it was a haiku. Um, and I, I tried to hurriedly transcribe it, but I don't know if this is 100% accurate. It's something okay. like, so quiet and still, the shrieking of cicadas seeps into the rocks. Yeah, that makes sense. So like the sound itself permeates into the rock into the object yeah and thus literally causes harm (laughs) to the user not the user the target (laughs) because now their sound is inside of them whoa nice sick poem bro and then he puts on the sound effect that we so contentiously discussed uh last week or the week before the dog yar, the sound of a punch. <sighs> yep, it's a punch. It's a punching sound. And he's like, stop being stubborn and take those damn locks off. But it's not over yet. Tamami hatches one last desperate gambit. <laughs> so he goes, don't you understand? If the guilt becomes too much for your family, they won't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. What does he do? So he... Actually, I can't remember exactly what he, he does. He walks over to a drawer. Oh, he walks over to a drawer and pulls out a knife. And big he, old steak, like a uh, carving knife yeah. sort of thing. And he goes... Not carving knife, kitchen knife. Yeah. Don't worry. If the guilt gets too much, they won't know what to do. And stabs himself. In the chest. Nice and shallow, not to kill yeah. himself or anything. He's screaming in pain, understandably. And he's like, like, we cut to his <gasps> internal monologue where he's like, for a split second he grins and it freezes on that pain. And he's like, make the cut shallow and scream like hell. Don't worry, just make it convincing. Mm-hmm. Gotta believe it. Pulls uh, out the knife, drops it on the ground. And we have a close-up on Koichi, and we hear off-screen him saying, Toss! And Koichi's like, Toss! And then the knife lands in his hands. <laughs> and then his mother and, and sister walk back in the room. And they see Koichi caught red-handed, apparently having just stabbed this guy. Oh no, my son stabbed a man! Yep, sister collapses. Oh, I can't believe it, the guilt is too great! Oh, time to kill myself! 
So the mother starts walking over to the knife drawer. And Tamami's like, stop this sound, Koichi, or your mum won't be about to bear the great guilt. <laughs> Thanks, Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Anyway, I'm going to go kill myself now. <laughs> Uh, so... And Koichi's like, no, I won't take the sound off. I'll make more sounds. Koichi, did you not just hear what I said? (laughs) And Echo's... Morse sound effect. Big old sound effect into his hands and and sticks it right on his mum. And it's the phrase, believe in me. And she keeps hearing it. There's a lot of cool visual sound effects here as like the... Oh, sort of, sorry, a lot of cool visual effects here as the um, mm. the phrase sort of wraps itself around her and reverber- reverberates throughout her being. It's like a rave club kind it's of thing. sort of like pulsing lines of energy mm. going up and down her body. It's cool. And oh, it's all... Also, she had like, she was holding a knife to her throat at this point. Oh. <laughs> Remember and, that? <laughs> yeah. And she's just there going, oh. And she hears it. And the, the, the thought echoes throughout her mind. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sidebar, it's been called a reverb in the subs this whole time. But I don't think it's actually referred to it by name at all this episode. Oh. oh. Doesn't matter. Um, That's a bit disappointing. mm -hmm. And he's all like, she's all, if his own mother won't believe in him, who will? My Koichi's always been a nice boy. A good egg, if you will. Uh. He'd never take someone's money or hurt them deliberately. And then, you know, like in Phoenix Wright, when you, you break someone's psych lock with evidence? Yes. You don't do. No, not okay. at all. Phoenix Wright 2 introduces the psych-lock mechanic where you get a, a, a sort of magical talisman that can see the locks over people's hearts. And because, you know, there's magic in this game. Okay. Um, and you present evidence to break those locks and get them to, to respond to your interview questions. Sure. And like, much like that, the lock on her heart shatters and she's all like, I'm not guilty anymore because I believe in my son. And he says, it's okay. Oh, Lovely. He's a good egg. And uh, Tamami's like, but that would never work. My parents would never believe in me. Hint at tragic backstory. Will there be more on this later? No. He comes from an unhappy home. (laughs) (laughs) And Koichi sternly approaches him, looking down at him like so many Jojo protagonists have looked down (laughs) upon defeated antagonists. It's harder to take him quite as seriously because he's a small kid, but... But by this point, Tamami is also super small. <laughs> he's all like, I'll do anything, please. It was, it was just a joke, mate. Come was, on. I'll, I'll do anything to gain yeah. forgiveness. Take the lock off my sister. Okay. I already, I already did it. See? We can't harm her beauty. Still creepy. Uh, I, I also wouldn't take your house. I was just kidding about that. Look, I'll even give you... I even gave you your money back, remember? I'll do anything to gain forgiveness so that you don't kill Please me. Please forgive me, Master Koichi. <laughs> You're going to do anything for me. His whole, he's changed so much from the start of this episode. <laughs> Tell me, you ever seen a movie called The Godfather? Have you ever seen a movie called Seven? You ever heard of a TV show called Breaking Bad? <laughs> I want to be like We've that got guy. cooking to do. <laughs> Yeah, by the end of this season, Koichi is going to be bald and have a big beard and he's going to kill Josuke in prison. Have you ever heard of a film called Lord of the Ring? It's like Lord of the Rings. That'd be a cool show in a manga antagonist if, you know... you're Gandalf. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) I made a Lord of the Rings joke. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. (laughs) Because I'm a good co-host. No, like, if you had a... A character like Koichi who, or Gohan who starts off really timid and kind of, and mm. by the end of by the end of the series they morph into the antagonist. Oh, so like a Breaking Bad but with yeah. Shonen. That that kind of sounds like um oh no it's not really Assassination Classroom because even though he turns into an assassin he's still the good assassin. 
out of all of them. Never mind. But that would be novel, wouldn't it? That would be fun. That would be very fun. I think Gantz might be something quite similar to that. I don't know. I don't Neither do. do I. I don't watch anime that isn't JoJo's. Nice. Firm choice. Got my branding back. <laughs> so um, he's like, yeah, I'll be your underling. And Koichi's all like, okay, bring me 500,000 yen by tomorrow. And then he leans into him really sadistically like, it's just a joke. I'm just kidding. Just a fun Does it joke. upset you when I make jokes like that? Are you intimidated by my new voice? Why don't you go cry to your your big imaginary grandfather in the sky? Why don't you go lock away your feelings like so many hearts? Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's a new characterization of Koichi is Ricky Gervais. Is Ricky Gervais mixed with John Lennon's voice? Ricky Gervais, angry atheist. Oh, Jesus. Don't worry, it's just a joke. It's just a big-hearted joke. Well, you believe in uh, mysterious powers that you can manifest based on the force of your will. That sounds like bullshit to me. Does it offend you when I... I'm... Okay, I've got to, I've got to cite my sources because they were doing this bit on um Demi, on, uh, Demi Lardner and Tom Walker's podcast, BigSoftTitty.png, this week. Um, nice, nice, and yeah. It really just stuck with my head and this Koichi shit reminded me of it, so I started aping it. But, like, it just... He's gotten so smug over this episode. He really has. He's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Do I have a stand now? Look at my stand that can't physically harm anyone. Yeah, aren't you so afraid of it? Yep. Peace and love, man. Peace and love. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's uh, Ringo Starr, not even John Lennon or whoever you said. Oh, no. It is Ringo Starr, isn't it? Is it Ringo Starr? He was the one who was like, all right, I'm not signing any more autographs. People it is Ringo Starr. Peace and love. Peace and love. You can tell that I don't like the Beatles. <laughs> Then Echoes screams across the front of the screen for a transition. And then there's like a cool arrow that like follows him. Yeah. And then it's tomorrow. It's the next day. It's uh, That's what tomorrow means. You just said yeah. that. Yep. Uh, it's it's tomorrow. Uh, there's Okiyasu and Koichi uh, and Josuke are like, what the fuck is going on? And there is uh, Koichi. Mm-hmm. Still got his cool new hair. Being gifted his bag by... No, um... <laughs> Oh, sorry. With uh, Tamami being like, oh, I can, I can take this for you. I can take this I for you. I can carry it for you. I can carry it for a while. Carry it for a while. Share the load. Share the load. What the hell are you doing? This is um, Lord of the Rings when Sam offers to carry the oh. ring for a while. <laughs> and Frodo freaks out. You know, I can take the bag. I was about to say Freddy. I can take the bag, Freddy. Share the load for you. Share the load. And Koichi, his eyes widen in shock and echoes breaks Tamami's neck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tamami's all like, you know, I, I can I can take this for you. I can do whatever you need. You know, I'm, I'm your friend now. I'm Come on, we're, we're good buds, right? And Koichi's all like, sure, <laughs> sure, you can take it. No, actually, he doesn't seem so malicious anymore. He's quite surprised by this. Yeah. He's like, oh, I mean, you can take I kind of thought want. we were done after I made fun of you yesterday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. End of episode. So Nick, highlights and lowlights for this episode. Right, motherfucking highlight: the egg fucking hatched. Yeah, the egg fucking hatched into a little lizard duck guy cell thing mm. guy. Blah. Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. The egg hatched. The egg hatched. The egg hatched. The egg literally hatched. Do you think um, that? Now he can just manifest echoes, or do you think it's going to be like still the egg, but in Ooh. times of crisis he can access what's in the egg? I reckon over the course of this part 
echoes will evolve. Oh, so yeah. he'll still be able to summon echoes, but over time, echoes will evolve to reflect his own mental strength mm. and mental journey. Yeah, sure. Into a confident, young, and by the end, it's going to have cell. like actual punch strength. <laughs> exactly. Where it'll, like it'll be able to do anything, but the learning potential is like S right now. You mm, know, totally. Yeah. Your highlight. My highlight is when Okiyasu and Josuke are looking across the street and they're like, man, that Koichi always hangs out with shady looking dudes. <laughs> so good. Uh, Lothar? Because we've never seen him hang out with anyone but them. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, they are shady dudes. Yeah. yeah. Shady looking. They're not Sorry, shady dudes. Shady they, they've got hearts dudes. of gold. Yeah. Low light for you? Good question. Mm. Um, it is hard. Mm. It is hard. My low light would probably just have to be kind of how guilt is just a thing. Like, it's not really well defined, like, I control electricity or I control this thing. It's like, oh, yeah, if you feel guilty, but then it's like, oh, well. But, then... you know, here's a con artist, he, so that's all about manipulating oh, yeah, the emotions yeah, yeah. of the person who, but who it's you're conning. Of, it's kind of one of those things where, oh, so as soon as I stop feeling any guilt, then the thing just goes away. Yeah, sure. It's not like, oh, I have some kind of balance of guilt. It's yeah, not, all right, that's yeah. fair. So it's a bit flaky compared to other things. But... I also thought it was interesting that um, the phrase money appeared on mm. Um, mm. on Koichi's lock. And presumably there were similar writing on the other locks we saw, yeah. but uh, it wasn't translated in the way the yeah. first one was. Um, which sort of implied like a direct key for that particular lock. Yeah. Like, give the money, he'll take it off. Yeah, but it's just like the locks just get bigger. Yeah. You know, which is a bit annoying. But yeah, who knows? Maybe. I think it's an imaginative power. Yeah. My low light is probably... Um, I had something before I started talking, actually. It just went out of my head. Um, yeah, from a not story point of view, from a design point of view, I do think it's a shame that uh, we don't have the sort of devolving stature of Tamami in this mm. episode. Mm. Uh, though, obviously, I understand it would have been pretty difficult to Very do. difficult to animate yeah. properly. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bit of a shame. Oh, well. Consistency is nice, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Nick. What? So, um, what do you think is going to happen next time? Sidebar, um... <laughs> Cut myself off. Just want to yeah. highlight, um, not as my highlight for the episode, but just because it's super rad. Fucking the echoes theme is so good. You mean the music, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got those little beats. Okay, to it. that was just a four-four beat. Yeah, but it's got those sort of synthy sound. I, I don't know much about music. I can't I currently listen okay. to it justice with my description. But just look up theme for Koichi or theme for Echoes. It'll be one of those. Okay. All right. Should I play a se- I played a bit of Virtuous Pope. I'll play a bit of this. Sure. Oh, and we forgot to mention Echoes as a reference to a Pink Floyd song of the same name. The Pink Floyd song Echoes. Yeah. So, Not reverb. <laughs> no. Um, so that's another Pink Floyd thing for our protagonists. True. True. Kind of a pattern here. It's almost as though Araki was listening to... A lot of Pink Floyd. A lot of Pink Floyd. Yeah, this is it. And so on. <laughs> it's got that real 4-4 beat. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm. So, Nick, what do you think is going to happen next time on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... Season four, <laughs> Diamond is Unbreakable, in the episode entitled Surface. 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 That's Much it. like the very Windows Surface that I am now holding in my hand. Why? What capabilities does that Windows Surface have? I don't know. <laughs> you can buy one now for some amount of money. Um, is it literally just Surface? That's it. 
That's the whole episode now. In interviews promoting Amused to Death, Waters claimed that Andrew Lloyd Webber had plagiarised the riff from Echoes for sections of the musical The Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. Decided not to file a lawsuit. Because it was just yeah, good. the beginning of that bloody Phantom song is from Echoes. Da 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 da. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. It's the same time signature. It's twelve slash eight. It's the same structure and it's the same notes and it's the same everything, bastard. It's probably actionable. Actionable it really is. But I think that's life's that. I think that life's too long to bother with suing Andrew fucking Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Not that too short. Too long. Yeah. No. Anyway, surface. Surface. So set the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Chili Pepper is still out there somewhere with the arrow. Yep. We now have a new friend. Yep. Slash slave. <laughs> oh yeah, Tamami's up in the mix. Yeah, Tamami's uh, in there. Koichi has unlocked the secret of Echoes. He has some new hair. More like Egos. Um, Jesus Christ, come on. Let I think him I made this. that same joke last episode. Let him episode have this. He's just evolved. Yep, he's evolved. He's got cool new hair. He's still short. Um, Koichi does not get taller over the course of the uh, <laughs> anime. Oh no. Um, Just a small old Koichi. Mm-hmm. Jotaro's still there looking for the arrow. Josuke's around looking for the arrow. Okiyasu is a fair friend. Surface. Surface. Well, I'm assuming that Surface is the name of a stand. Makes sense. Um, so maybe it's like a two-part episode kind of thing where the stand shows up and then later on... The user will show up in like the second episode, but this isn't classic like classic Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, formula. this isn't like a part one, part two thing, which makes me think that the user won't show up for a while. Oh, okay, it's gonna so, be a, a long term yeah. antagonist. So maybe Surface yeah. is like. Also, the other option is that it will happen this episode, much like this episode. All happened True. this episode. Everything did happen this episode, didn't it? Mm. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Maybe it'll be they have to <gasps> be the chef. Ooh, Surface. Don't know how that relates to a what, chef. What kind of power do you think sur- a stand like with a name like Surface might have? Well, it could be watery. Where it's we just like... had a watery villain though. Did we? Aqua necklace. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, that's true. Now he's a rock though. Yep, that'll teach him. Seeped into quite the rock. ironic, really. Seeped into the rock like so many cicada songs. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, let me think. Well, maybe it's something to do with air then, because like surface. No, wait. No, it's like a reflective surface. Ah. Like a mirror. So, like, it reflects. So, kind of like how um, Aqua Necklace was a variation on the theme from Geb, mm. this could be a variation on the theme from The Hanged Man. Exactly. So, maybe it can take on the form of any surface. That's my finger clicking, my mm-hmm. finger guns. Uh, it can take on the form of any surface. Except then... itself. How ironic. Unless surface isn't a stand and it's more of like a... A, a state of mind. Yeah, so maybe it's like surface... Jotaro episode. He's finally found oh, some what stuff. What was Jotaro up to while everyone else was off dealing with this loser? Uh, drinking tea in his fucking mansion room. And in that room is a surface. Oh, shit. No, I reckon maybe it could be. Just Jotaro finds more things and it's like, <gasps> now it looks like things have come to the surface. Whoa. To be continued. Um, yeah, so either some kind of stand is introduced, but not the user. Or the real truth comes to the surface. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. Let's wrap things up then. Oi, why are we Scottish now? That's not what I was doing. Dame. Our theme music is Joe Grassi. By me. Milk Nick Valentine. Oh. Both names at once. <laughs> Figure out which is which. <laughs> Nick juice sounds very weird. Yeah, it's freaking gross. But Milk Valentine is... Milk Valentine, son of... Almond son Milk of a Valentine. Son of a demigod. <laughs> Milk Valentine, son of cow. So it's, it almost sounds like a sort of folk hero name. 
My name's Milk Ballantine. I'll sing you the ballad of Milk Ballantine, the only man who ever lifted up the mountain and held it above his head. The man they call Milk. <laughs> so named because it was all he ever ate. But Daddy, ain't milk a drink? Yeah, but he let it pasteurize and turn into cheese. Why we didn't call him Cheese Valentine, I'll never know. Well, that's half the story, Milky-Eyed Joe. Where'd you people... come from? Where'd you go? Where'd you come from? End of episode. A lot of people named Milky. Correspond with house. us at JoJo's Podcast.twitter. I just uh, posted a heap of Bionicle pictures. <laughs> For our bonus episodes. On Bionicles. Patreon.com slash JoJo's World. Where you can financially support us if you enjoy And until next content. time. To, to be, be continued. continued. Yud, 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 echoes, eggs. <laughs>